0: Hi, welcome to the Autism Growing up Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tara Regan. On this podcast, this is one of our many resources. This is the place where we explore and discuss topics related to adulthood and growing up, as well as share stories, strategies, and resources from people in our autism community. Hey, welcome to today's episode. I am chatting with Joe Spreitzer, the founder of Able Adults, a day program located in sterling new jersey and before we get into our conversation i just want to share a few updates from autism grown-up we've gotten a great response so far from our first resource coming out of the month the high quality uh, transition planning in high school i'll put another link to that guide and workbook in our show notes so you all can check that out that is a free resource created by us and for you to have and to share and put into place Has a lot of great info about the transition plan within the IEP. So, if your child or student has an IEP, this is great info to have because it's often not shared very widely and training can be fairly limited in this area. And there are also some notes in there about ways to incorporate your child or student in the transition plan and IEP plan, through the writing process, getting them involved in the IEP meeting, so on and so forth. And then I'm also excited to announce this side project within our resource center itself is we put together the bones of a large scale resource directory. So if you go to our website and see the tab resources, if you click on that and scroll down to resource directories, you can see every single state within the US. For those of you listening from outside the US, there will be, we wanna create resource directories for you too, just let us know. And for right now, those are fairly empty, but we are filling them up every single day, all about local community and online resources that you can access and use. We always get questions about what is available to local communities, so this is where everything is gonna be housed from now on. And if you have a resource to submit, we also have a submission form at the very bottom of the page. And those are the major updates from Autism Grown Up this week. Let's jump into this episode. Uh, Welcome to the Autism Grown Up podcast. Joining us today is Joe Spreitzer from ABLE Adults. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so can you tell me a little bit about you and your work in the autism IDD community? Sure,
1: yeah. Um, can I give you a little background on like um, like what where I started and kind of like where we are now?
0: Yeah, I would love that.
1: I actually, so I went to Rutgers University and I graduated from there in 07. And um, I actually graduated with a degree in sports management mm-hmm. and no real plan kind of of where i was going after that and so uh, for the first i would say first few months after college i really had no clue at all and i had a friend of mine who has cerebral palsy um, i was mentioned to you before he actually wanted me to he wanted to help me out kind of a little bit by offering me a job uh, as like his individual assistant so i um, worked with him a little bit Um, i took him to classes at uh, the college that he was starting at helped him you know take notes uh, kind of communicate with his. you know, the, the fellow students and with the teachers, and as I was working with him, I kind of realized at some point other that I really liked working in this field and that it might, you know, be a you know potential career opportunity. So while we were working, I, I started talking with his father a little bit, and he was uh, giving me you know some connections in the field. And I decided at that time that I was going to go back to school to teach um, special education. So I did that. I um, I got my degree, special education. And for the next, from 2007 until I would say 2013, like midway through 13, I was back and forth with either teaching or with adult services. And so that kind of around the 2013 mark was when things changed up a little bit and kind of like led me to where I am today. Okay. Would you? So, I mean, it's, uh, I I can kind of like explain it. It's a little bit of a long story. It's like a couple minutes, but like if you want me to, I can go into it. It's, I guess it's, I guess it could be interesting. I don't know. Oh,
0: I think so. Yeah. I was reading okay. a little bit about it on your site and I was like, this yeah. Is so unique. I also don't hear a lot about like, the, we haven't heard a lot about like backstories for why people start different day rehab programming and things like that
1: yeah so it's basically so what happened was the school I guess like you because you've you probably read a little bit about it. The school was closing um that we were at that I was teaching at at the time um actually when i was when I was just finishing, I was with the adult services program, so the school was closing, and a lot of the adults that had been there um, were there for like some of them were over over twenty years were together. really nobody wanted things to be over, like the individuals that I was serving, the parents and just the staff and general like everyone. Collectively it was like, we can't, we can't just like end and go our separate ways. So we decided that I think it was me and one of my coworkers at the time, uh, we were trying to get other people on board. It, it wasn't easy, but we decided that we were going to get like a few of the staff members and parents together to meet up and come up to, you know, come up with like a plan to start a day habilitation program and kind of keep everybody together. Um, just, just to like clarify. So the day day hab day habilitation it's not the same as like, like, so rehab would be kind of like recuperating some of like something that you'd lost in the past, right? Like, if you had an injury or if you had, um, you know, some type of illness with day habilitation, it's more uh, more of the uh maintenance and kind of like the acquisition of skills, okay. uh, so yeah, it's like a little bit of a distinction, but um, so anyway, yeah, so we basically we decided we were going to start a day program, um, and we went through the process. We got, you know, we we became you know, registered business. We did everything we had to do, and we thought we were all set. And then at that exact time, kind of in 2000, it was 2013. The state of New Jersey halted the application process, and they said we could not open up a new program. So we were kind of like we just didn't know what we were going to do, and we reached out to. Our connects in the fields. We had a few. We knew a few people that either had worked at. Do you know what the, the the arc is? Have you ever heard of the arc? Do you guys have that in North Carolina?
0: Yeah, we have it in North Carolina. It's like an advocacy. Yeah.
1: So we reached out to somebody at the Arc Union County in New Jersey, and um, we had, we had known somebody who had been on the board there, and somebody also had worked there. So we basically asked them if we could kind of bring our program there and just attach it to an existing program in order to. Or to kind of like um, you know use the loophole to to start a program, and that 's what we did so we we ran the program there for a couple of years it was we had a great time. I you know brought most of the adults that were at my old program at the school along with me, and then we also made a lot of you know a lot of new connections and new friends there at some point there uh, like around two years in, I started to um, realize that like my lifestyle and my income wasn't matching up it just yeah, I, I just wasn't making enough money to support myself anymore there and so i had to kind of go use my teaching degree and you know just kind of make a little bit of a better living at the time so i went into special education from 2015 until past june 2019 and uh, i taught there i taught special needs uh, you know young young adults uh, kids and young adults until uh, this past, uh, this past June. Also, like I guess in the middle there, like around 2017 was when I started to realize that, you know, I wanted to get back into adult services. So I started dabbling in it a little bit and I became a Medicaid approved provider for uh community inclusion basically that the idea of this was that I was going to basically take a, a group out of special needs adults and we would go out we go bowling movies dinner different type of events uh, whatever we could you know find you know that was my way of kind of staying in the adult services field without leaving you know education um, and keeping my my full-time job so I would leave early from work every day and just like head out pick people up and you know go have a good time with them and then I guess around two thousand and eighteen I realized that it was there was a chance that this could be a like th- that I could make it like a full time gig kind of I started the application process to provide uh, the day habilitation while, while I was teaching and then um, as soon as I got approved in two thousand and nineteen, I officially resigned and started the program here, so that's basically the the story of how I got to where I am uh, right now with the program oh, That's
0: great thanks for sharing your story um. Because I think it's so unique and so many um, things to dig deep into for sure, especially with the number of services you've been involved with with Medicaid. Yeah,
1: it's there's a few. We we provide three right now. Um, it's community inclusion, day habilitation, and respite services. Yeah, all three of them are. I I to me personally, they're they're like the most important to me anyway. That's not. It's not for everyone, you know. The state kind of pushes something different a little bit, but I feel like they're uh, three of the more, most important services that you can provide. Yeah.
0: So, so those services are provided by able adults as the organization. So they're yeah. like they're the Medicaid provider.
1: Yeah. So we so we are. Um, we are the Medicaid provider, yeah. So we basically process, I kind of like glossed over the process a little bit. Like the process takes a while. So that's like, I would say the number one barrier to entry a little bit in this field is time because most people just don't have the time to get a program started. In in theory, it's a great idea for, honestly, just about anybody I I always encourage families who are interested in it or um, if I have friends in the field to, you know, try and do their own programs. Like, I don't care how much competition is out there. There's still not enough programs. There's not nearly enough programs to support all of the need that is out there. So the problem is nobody really has the time it takes because it's, uh, it's a lot of paperwork. It's... Months and months, if not years, of waiting on Medicaid back and forth with them, back and forth with the state, getting approvals and getting, you know, it just, there's there's a lot uh, that goes into it. So I would say that was the the number one barrier to entry that, you know, that probably is the reason why most people don't necessarily get into it.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm so glad you did bring that up because a lot of people don't know that they can do this in the first place. And then once they get into it, they realize that's like the major barrier
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: do you have any suggestions or recommendations for those who are like their interest is piqued and they're like oh i need to start looking into this where do i go
1: oh definitely i mean like i mean regardless of what state you live in i i would say that your 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 state website would probably have some information i mean i honestly just went to google when i when i realized that i wanted to do it i had some obviously some prior experience in the field so I, i maybe knew a little bit more about where to look but I just went to my state's website. Um, I, I googled, you know, pro- providing special for special needs adults, uh, DDD, um, which is the Division of Developmental Disabilities, and I, you know, th- that basically brought me to, you know, I guess a couple of sites that would, you know, give me the links I needed to at least make the right contacts. I, my suggestion, I would say, for anybody who's who wants to get started in this field, whether you're a parent who has an adult who's graduating and you're not comfortable with them going to another program or. Um, you're, you know, a provider right now who, you know, or maybe a teacher or something like that, that like you're thinking about doing something a little different. Whenever you think you're ready to start, I would just start earlier with the process, like with, with, with just the research you need to do with um, like, there's so much, I think that needs to happen before you're ready. Uh, th- that's the one thing I wish I had done a little bit differently. You know, I, I kind of like when I wanted to get started, I real you know that's when I realized, oh man, I have months ahead of me of just like research and reading and you know uh, you know the, the, you have to go through like a you know like I said a very long process just to really even to get your paperwork seen in the first place so if if anyone's if anyone is looking into this in and it doesn't matter what state you're in just get the process started before you're ready to go because there's, there's no harm in learning a lot about the field and then you change your mind, don't want to do it, but you know, you, you could be putting yourself back a year or two if you decide to, you know, to wait and, you know, and do it, you know, right when you're either financially or, you know, personally ready to do it.
0: Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. You don't need a funding in place or the
1: yeah.
0: name or anything like that.
1: Yeah. Well, that's actually, so I, I um, just to touch on that, so the the funding component, so I so I'm not sure if I mentioned our program is is for profit, so we're we're not a nonprofit organization. I guess the the only difference really is that we don't get support, we we can't we can't um, receive um, uh, donations, right? So basically every every bit of money that comes in, you know, to my, you know my company, we you know we we spend ourselves. You know, whenever we get money through Medicaid, we use that money to you know purchase things and stuff. So with the funding, I would say that. The easiest thing to do if you want to get into this field and just, just dabble in it a little bit without like going full on and spending a lot of money, community inclusion, which is what I started when I was teaching, is absolutely, it, it, it's doable. Well, even if you have a full-time job like I had, a lot of the adults in this field, they have jobs too. So like they work during the day or they you know go to a day program during the day, or sometimes they don't have a program to go to um, during the day, but they want to do something at night. They, there's so many of them that, that need that that need something to do in those, you know, three o'clock to seven o'clock hours and there's just nothing available, or it's not as accessible to them as it could be, or maybe they just don't have the confidence to go out and do the things that you know that are that are available to them. Right. So um, I would say if you want to do if you wanted to get into this field and not spend a lot of money, community inclusion is probably the easiest way to do it. You don't have to buy a facility, you don't have to Really, you don't even have to purchase a car and like that you just have to um make yourself available to adults with special needs and just like i did like depends on what state you're in so i don't know what the you know the different agencies would require of you but for me i was able to provide these services without any real financial backing i, I just went out i took my car out i went out i met up with the adults we went out and took them to the movies Took them to dinner you know, had them get picked up and, you know, by either Access Link, which is a public transportation system or their parents or whatever, or their caretakers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they would go back home. So that uh, you can definitely get started in this field um, without really without spending a dollar. It's, uh, it's it's definitely doable.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I have not actually heard too much about that. I wonder if, I feel like I have seen that service definition here in North Carolina, but have not seen it in place and like that. Of setting, so interesting though too that there are so many services available that the websites make your state websites. Each state has like their own name for like DDD or North Carolina's is Department of Health and Human Services. Uh Have the huge list of service definitions, but you're right. Yeah, each agency offers a different grouping of them. They may say they offer them, but no one's taken advantage of it, or um, really no that much of info about it. So how did you hear about community inclusion?
1: To be honest with you, so the the way I, here's how I stumbled upon it, I, I guess this, is when I worked at the Arc of Union County, so when I was running a program, but I, when I didn't own it, yeah. um I was um like I said I, I I eventually left the field because I just didn't have the money to support myself anymore you know I, I was moving to an expensive city and I, I needed a little bit more money and when I realized when I realized that at first my first solution was like why don't I try to work at night um with the adults that are at our program it caused some issues as far as like you know it wasn't they weren't technically my clients because I was just working for an organization but what I did was I contacted parents and I just said hey you know I'm available for a couple of hours after after program if you'd like to once or twice a week we'll go out and it was basically an out-of-pocket uh service mm-hmm. so we would ask the parents to pay about like whatever it was like 20 or 30 dollars or so um, that would pay for their food that would pay for their activity and then the rest of the money basically we would you know it would, would go to me and the other um employer, uh, worker that was with me okay. and so like that's how it started where i was like you know what like i i you know i want to number one I don't want to just I I don't want them to just go to a day program and stay home at night like that was like that to me is like most most adults don't do that right we have something to do at some point or another like either we go to like some you know we we go to the movies we go to like uh some of us like playing like sports leagues and stuff like that Mm -hmm. I wanted that I wanted them to have something else to do and then at the same time like I said it was it was good for me because it gave me Know, additional hours to work as well I did not know at that time that there was something called community inclusion where it was actually Medicaid you know approved service only when I was teaching when I was looking to de- you know to get back into it like the tiptoe back in I was looking for I, I went down the list of services in New Jersey and I just found community inclusion um, in their supports manual which is basically like it just the supports manual just tells you everything that um, is available to individuals who are uh, in, in uh, registered with ED day yeah. And so I found community inclusion. I found a couple other things as well that I thought, oh, maybe this will work. So it was first it was community inclusion and respite because again, it gave me like the freedom to work a full time job and also do this after hours. And respite, I'm not sure if you guys have that in your state. You, yeah, yeah, I
0: definitely do. I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's one of that probably maybe hopefully one of the most common ones. Um, yeah,
1: and, and so so but the, what's funny is that so it's common that it's listed as a service. um it's not that common that it's provided it's it's um it's strange because in this um, I'm not sure again I, I don't know how it is in every other state, but in New Jersey it's just difficult to it, logistically it's difficult to plan a respite weekend or a respite night for the adults uh, it takes a lot of you know it takes additional staffing it takes uh, it's a little added planning for the for an entire weekend away from from home for them you know it also the the parents or the caretakers have to have a lot more trust in, in the uh, staff members. The respite weekends for whatever reason are I just see them you know they're, they're much uh, more infrequent more infrequently um, provided than the other services, although everyone seems to be a provider. Like, I'm a provider of it, but I still haven't this year since September been able to provide one just because the day program has been, you know, kind of taken uh, priority. And uh, we, we haven't been able to, uh, you know, to arrange one
0: yet. But That makes sense. Thanks for indulging me in that yeah. curiosity. I was just like, oh my gosh, the, these service definitions. You're right. Like something like respite may be listed, but not, may be infrequently used
1: yeah for sure yeah and some people just don't know about this stuff either i mean i i I spoke with a coordinator yesterday who um i was talking about you know getting into this field in the in jersey city which is where i live like kind of like expanding into that area Mm -hmm. and um it's the largest city in new jersey population wise or, or or getting there i think it's i think it's the largest at this point yet there seems to be nobody there that is either asking for like seeking services nobody and what i was wondering is like, you know, do, do individuals with disabilities just work, like not live in that area because of the apartment sizes or because, you know, for whatever reason? Wow. And what this coordinator and I were, were discussing was that, you know, there's a good chance that it's because they just don't, ha- um, they don't know about the services. They don't, they don't have, either they don't have access to it or the schools that they went to uh, weren't, um, you know, weren't great about, you know, connecting the parents to the right agencies. Uh, as they were graduating, as they were transitioning out of high school. So there's so many areas of, um, of this state and I'm sure every other state that just the services aren't provided or aren't um, being sought after because there's just not enough um, information out there, not enough education about what's available.
0: So true. Um, so funny, too, because down here in North Carolina, we are, I'm sure you get this for New Jersey, because this is the conception I have in my head. Um, being here in this state being like oh well a lot of people come here because they think there are a lot more services available Uh uh, and that everyone's in the know about how to connect you and get you prepared for adulthood later on but I think of um, but once they actually get here there's still just like a lot of limitations
1: uh, yeah. I'm. I mean, so I didn't. Is, is North Carolina known as one of the states that I guess is like um you know has more services to provide? Is that like because I, I don't I haven't done any like research about any other states really besides New Jersey.
0: Right. Um, yeah, North Carolina is one of those states. I know. I think of New Jersey as one of those states. Like a lot of the that cluster of like northeastern states. I think mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of families say that they.
1: Yeah, I mean. I have to say that, so I guess since I was in middle school uh, in middle school is when i when I started to see a lot more inclusion um back in like what the i guess the nineties that's when I started to see more inclusion in schools I mean as a kid in my elementary school i don't remember it that you know, that, that 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 well I just know that like since like since I was probably about like 12, like twelve thirteen years old, I started noticing a lot more inclusion and it became a very big thing i I'm, I'm I'm hoping it's a big thing everywhere right around the country but it is a big thing here in the state. Inclusion in high school in general is just is really big. Like they tried to, you know, do away with the self-contained classrooms and just you know, you know focus on integration um, in high school. And so I, I think that because of that, you know it, it, you know it kind of the domino effect is that. Adult services kind of reflects that as well and tries to, you know, tries to provide as many services as possible to, you know, to but facilitate that as well, inclusion wow. and, um, you know, access to services.
0: Cool. Yeah, so I'm curious then what like a day looks like for a day program?
1: Yeah, so so right now, the day program that we have, I model mine a little bit more closely to what I used to do at school, like at the, the, the 20, uh, 18 to 21 transition program than some other programs. So like, just so like a frame of reference, a lot of programs, so New Jersey itself is a work for, they have like a work first initiative. I don't know if that's the same way with you guys, but we have a work first initiative where basically every individual, whether you know, it doesn't matter you know what type of abilities or disabilities they have, Every individual is expected to obtain employment and contribute to society through the vocation, and then it's expected that they achieve kind of fulfillment as a result. And coming from the high school special education teaching background, we kind of focused on, on that as well, um, like with the you know preparing them for work and preparing them for life. Didn't Not as much with college, but uh, we prepared them for work and life, basically, after high school. I personally am not the, although I support their push for vocation, and I do think it's important, I personally don't necessarily side with my state's opinion that employment is like the essence of a meaningful life. I think that for a lot of people, it's more of a means to an end. I'm more concerned with my program with providing the clients with opportunities to develop their life skills, engage in socialization, recreation, and just like maintain a healthier lifestyle, right? Working on hygiene, working on, you know, wellness, working on like, you know, all those different skills that they might not be 100% with yet. I think that these things are just as important as vocation, to be honest with you, um, and probably even harder to get assistance with. Because in this state, again, they they really push um, you know work first. So at the program, we um, that's kind of like the way I the way I I, um, I frame it. We do um, a little bit of like pre vocational type of work. Um, we do some we do some volunteer work, which is not necessarily to be confused with pre vocation, but um, we do some volunteer work. We do work on some of the soft skills that are required for you know holding a job. But the, 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 the number one thing I, I would say that I focus on here, well, the, the, not the number one thing, but like the things that we focus most on is it's, again, it's life skills, it's social skills, um, giving them the access that they need to different things to uh, whether it be recreation or you know, uh, socialization opportunities. That's the focus. So to begin the day, I would say every day we kind of give them about like fifteen minutes or so to kind of just like uh, to chill out, get, you know, get some downtime before we get like j- like before we jump into things. We do like a morning meeting at like in, uh, to like kind of get things going. Mm -hmm. Um, we talk about like the news and the weather we have them all um, the whole group is involved and engaged in the uh, in the meeting they uh, we have them using technology so they will use the uh, the smart tv to access different um, the news um, news channels news apps and um, uh, that's kind of the way we start things out Uh, we also let them kind of choose what they'd like to do on the day so we usually have like a list of two or three things that we'll be doing we go swimming we go uh we do bowling we go uh, to play indoor basketball we do meals on wheels um there's like a ton of stuff that we that we have like on the plate for them and we let them kind of choose what they'd like to do and we just break up into groups and and do that that's like the that's like the beginning of the day and then um we like i said uh, i guess i can give you like a schedule of what we do like so like Mondays, we usually go out to, we have like an indoor amusement park that we go to that is, that we bought um, yearly memberships for, and the the year, yearly memberships kind of give us access to the whole park, and really like no one else is in there, except like there's like basically like 20 people in there, and it's just, and us and them. So we get the bowl for about an hour um, every Monday, which is like, like one of the favorite activities here. We then go on Tuesdays, we have, uh, uh, Tuesdays we have in the morning, we go swimming. Um, Wednesdays, we usually go to like a show or we'll go to, uh, um, again, indoor, indoor basketball, which is what we did today. Thursdays, we do meals on wheels, which is delivering meals, uh, to community members that are in need of, you know, their lunches being delivered to them. Mm-hmm. And then Fridays we do the same thing as well, but we uh, we you know the other part of the group will either go out community and go to again do to, um, you know one of those other activities, whether it be basketball or some type of other you know exercise activity, or whatever we we try to you know, like mix it up. So that's like that's basically our like uh, the the gist of the day. We uh, usually will return. Um, around like 1230-ish. So we're out for most of the day from about 930 or 10 o'clock until about 1230. And that's like the community inclusion component. And then when we get back, we usually cook lunch together and the adults participate in that. And uh, they eat lunch. And then the afternoon is usually either some type of life skills lesson, um, an exercise class inside, or we uh you know just do we sometimes we'll just do like a some type of uh, like a communication type of game where we'll we'll ask questions and work on our you know our wh uh, responses and um to wh questions and things like that so it's it's a lot I'm sorry I just rambled sorry. for like That's 10 minutes about awesome. it
0: but I was just yeah nodding and smiling through it i love the kind of the sped structure to all of this
1: we have a lot of we we do a lot of things and like the it's just like there's so many things throughout the week that we do i kind of like i'll mix it all together and and into like one day but that's basically what it's there's a lot of we do a lot of stuff and we try to keep them active and again really the 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 big thing for me is I want them to have the access to things and the ability to uh, the access and the ability to do things that they wouldn't necessarily be able to do, you know, otherwise. So even if they were working at another job, you know, if they had if they had a job, which I'm we're we're still like we're working on so, with some of them to try to, you know, gain employment. But even if they had a job, there's a good chance that they would go to that job, they would spend their whole day there, and then they would come home and have nothing to do. I, you know, and, it's, and there's not a lot of there's not a ton of socialization involved there. I, I want to make sure that. Um, we're heavy on the socialization and on the, again, even on the soft skills that they could um, they could use in the workforce or in any other area of life, um, you know, whether they be at home or in the community or at work, so.
0: Yes, yeah, I love that engagement just across all of those skill areas and zones. I wish, so I don't, I don't think I told you this, but I have um, two brothers on the spectrum, and they both attend a day program, oh, okay. uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, down here in Charlotte and yeah we have no idea what their day looks like we get a we have a schedule but we don't know if they actually follow it or not or um, not oh okay but i'm sure you know this too that like day programming can can vary across setting to setting oh
1: of course yeah no i mean even what you just said like with not knowing what they're doing i mean you have so where so i've i've seen places before where um, they will, they'll give that schedule out and they'll tell you we're doing X, Y, and Z and then it's, they'll do A, B, and C instead. Or sometimes like they'll say everyone does one thing, but then they'll let some people stay back and just not, not do anything for a day. Um, we really try to stick to the schedule as much as we can because we do want the parents involved um, in the process. Like I, my program itself right now, we have at the day program, we have up to 12 people a day Um, we have the the maximum capacity will be 15 and we won't be going larger than that because I think that one of the, really one of the keys in this field for me, this is not for everybody, but, um, having a really good relationship with the parents and with the, the coordinators and with individuals themselves is really, really important. So Mm -hmm. like that has always been important to me. Um, they have, like, well, if like you heard my my phone going off before, like, that was one of the individuals that I serve was calling me. She's not here today. I am always basically available to them. Like, honestly, like, as long as I'm awake, I'm available to them. And I think that that is a, the, for the parents, it's really nice to know that um, I'm not just, like, telling them what we're doing. Like, I can, I, like, they're they're invited into our lives whenever they'd like to. They can come by the program. They can call me and ask what's going on. They can skype with us they can do whatever they want like we want them to have as much access and uh you know to us as possible so that they have that trust um uh, in us and um and knowing that we're actually you know providing the services that we're, we're saying we're providing oh
0: my gosh that's fantastic yeah. it's
1: it, it's better that way like i i like it so much more than when i was you know, at, you know pre- previous places where it's like the parents had to like almost like schedule a meeting to come in and I, I, I encourage the parents. Listen, like the only thing I would say is call me a minute before you get here, or like you know maybe even before you leave, just to know that we're going to be here because sometimes we're out. But yeah. um, I I just encourage them to whenever they would like just to stop by because I don't want it to be a situation where you're like you know you're doing one thing when they're not here and then you're doing something else when they are here and then everyone's worrying. Oh, well, is somebody going to show up? It's like you should be able to. And any doesn't matter what really doesn't matter what field you're in, but especially in this field, you should be able to provide the services and, you know, expect that somebody's watching at all times and, you know, and, and work the exact same way regardless, right? So, um, and that's what we try to do here. So.
0: Yeah, snaps to that, just that family involvement piece. There's just uh, a lot of growth needed in this area of flip day programming.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I, first of all, my program itself is not like, I know a program that I know right now is, is at a different level than I am. Right. They, they've been in business for longer. They've, you know, they have a larger um, client base. I've, I was impressed when I saw them before I got started with mine, I was really impressed with theirs. And I, so I know there's tons of really good programs out there. Um, they're one of them. Um, and I, I believe that we are too, but there's so many things that we, you know, we're trying to, we're still trying to do. We're still trying to grow. Um, as long as the programs are trying to grow and trying to improve and using the money that they get because there is money in this field so if 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 they're using the money that they get and they're and they're allocating it to the right things and instead of you know you know putting it too, too much towards the salaries of the administrators or what have you or spending too much you know frivolously I think that you can really do re- really nice things in this field like I, I um going back to like the point about the families one of the things that like um I was going to mention uh, about like that we we tried to do is like i, I really tried to especially in the beginning i, I tried to follow like the reciprocity rule where like you give as much as you can um in this field you you do as much as you possibly can for the consumers for the families whatever and you don't really expect much back and you try not to ask them for too much either because when you ask them for money ask them to this and that it's like it becomes obviously it becomes like a almost like a you know like a you know like it's it's something that like they 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 find less use in it when they have to pay, um, uh, you know, you know, for, for certain things. So I, I try my best to provide as much as I can and help as much as I can without um, getting too much in return, especially in the beginning. And then when we really need something, really need support one way or another. We can ask for it and know that the parents, you know, um, you know, ha- you know, have trust in us that we'll use it in the right way. You know, so. Um, Yeah, that's, that's, that's a big thing for the first like year or so. I mean, even before I got started uh, with this program, I was, um, I would, you know, occasionally, you know, take a couple of the adults out for, um, for dinners, um, go, you know, meet them up for the, meet up with them for their, you know, birthdays or whatever, and just try to stay in touch with the families and, um, you know, stay connected with them. And again, just give as much as I could without expecting anything returned return. And then you get that return when you, you know, when you ultimately start the program up. So.
0: That was so helpful. I feel like we'll have to do like another episode in the future. Just yeah.
1: <laughs> Definitely. All
0: of these nuances for a day program, there's so much to get into. Speaking, I think you've touched on this a little bit too, but I wanted to see if you had anything else to add. Um, what are some common resources or tools you've turned to, or you would recommend others to use?
1: So I would, so I have a couple like that I, that I listed down for like. Um, there's nothing, honestly. There's nothing like groundbreaking here. So like the the couple of things that I use are one of them is Facebook groups, but you have to be careful with using it. So, like, and I know um, Facebook groups, Facebook in itself can kind of be kind of like it's it can be useless at times, but if you use it for the right things, it can it can really help you. So, for instance, like, I when I got started in this field, right before I started up the, the business itself, I joined a few uh, special needs networks on Facebook in my state. With that, there was just it just gave me a little bit of like insight into what was going on in the in the field, more so from the consumer perspective, so from the parents. Uh, perspectives and from um, and from the adults themselves, and what I realized at first was that there's a lot of. First of all, it's a, Facebook becomes like a place to vent and complain a lot of times. So you kind of have to really sift through it, and and you have to have a lot like as a provider or a, like at the time I was a teacher. So as a provider or a teacher, you really have to have thick skin when you look through because there's a lot of complaints about providers and teachers themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you just have to, you know, if you are a good provider, you have to remember that, you know, just kind of ignore the negativity towards it and realize that families and um, individuals complain about services because there are a lot of bad um, services out there. there There's a lot of bad service providers. I'm not saying that's even close to the majority, but there still are a lot of, um, there's, there's, first of all, there's not enough as there aren't enough services being provided and some of them aren't as good as you'd hope so there's an opportunity on facebook if you follow the right groups if you get in touch with the right um you know the the right uh, networks on there where you could kind of identify need. I used to, I used to, you know, I would, I would go onto the boards. I would see who was having a problem with certain, you know, certain things. Some, one of the parents was looking for a program for their son. And I, I inboxed him. I just messaged, messaged the, the, the mother. And I just said, you know, I, I do this. I provide these nights. She came by, brought him by, and uh, he ended up uh, liking the program and, and joining. So like something like that, I would say that's a good resource to use if you're Either that's if you're starting up a business or if you're running a business. Another thing, I guess you can you can do is uh, using support coordination agencies. So in in our state, we call them support coordinators. I'm not sure if in North Carolina they call them that. Um, uh, case managers.
0: Yeah. yeah, case manager.
1: Yeah. So here we have support coordinators. They got rid of the case manager title in New Jersey, but I basically would I would um, I I looked up all of the case ma- the support coordination agencies in the state. And I emailed about 80 uh, uh, separate support coordinators and basically just gave them all my information about, like, what I was doing in this field, um, what I planned to do, and, you know, the type of services that I was going to be providing. Mm -hmm. And although I only got, like, a few responses from that, I got, um, like, my first inclusion program um, client that way. So that was like uh, the kickstart to me, like, you know, you know, building my program a little bit. So if you're looking into, you know, if you're looking for resources in terms of like, in terms of starting a, a program in this field, I would say, you know, contacting support coordination, support coordination agencies or case management agencies, that's one uh, other way. Um, and then the last one, I think the most important one, and this is like, I think the easiest thing to use is, if you know, everyone knows a family or an individual, like obviously you said, you have two brothers who um, are on the spectrum, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, so you, I mean, I'm sure like, you know, so everyone that you know that knows somebody they, with a family member special needs. So mm-hmm. I think that the easiest way to to help is really just offer your support, look for nothing in return really, except for maybe advice and insight into what types of supports aren't available so you know if you talk with a family um like i'm sure if i i'm sure you you would know you would know all the things that your brothers have access to and what they don't have access to and what they would like to have that they don't have there's an opportunity there again there's an opportunity there where you can you can help out you can you can you can offer your support to a family or to a friend who who has these needs and you can ask them hey like how can we you know how how can we improve your situation but also how can we you know provide for you know others too, so that we can you know um, we can kind of like uh um, you know address this on a larger scale too so I think that's that those three things Facebook groups that's what I used uh, originally again not the not the best but you can use them um support coordination agencies and then the families and, and themselves are can be really good um, resources for you
0: oh I love those thank you are there um I'm gonna start shifting gears to our last couple of questions We're sure. on time. Uh, what are you excited about and looking forward to in the coming months?
1: Vacation. I have vacation coming. No, I'm kidding. No, I, I uh, no. I actually I am getting a little bit of a break in April, um, which I kind of, in a way, a little bit. I, I just like need like the the couple of days um, because it's been a like the last like couple of years have almost blended together with how much um, with how much work has gone into starting of the program. So um, I actually am looking forward to my vacation. But the things we're excited about basically it's just like having the opportunity to do the things that we weren't able to do at the beginning. Like I, I, I also have a lot more free time now. We're adding another staff member, and I, I want to. Like I got into this field because I like providing services. I like being the you know support, like the service provider. I don't love the you know the administrative end of it, even though obviously I asked for it. So what I'm I'm excited about is like just having the opportunity to like kind of get back to like. The essence of what made this fun for me in the first place, which is like just interacting with them throughout the day and, you know, doing, you know, I, just, you know, uh, engaging um, w- w- with them and all the activities that they're, that they're doing. So that's, that's what I like to do. And that's what we're going to be getting back to uh, with me soon. So that's good. And then the other thing that we're excited about is that I, like I, I just mentioned, but we're hiring a, a couple of um, former special education teachers into the program um, within the next couple of months. And um, when when I got into this uh, program, I knew that like that was the type of person that I wanted to hire, yeah. um, and I want working with us. Uh, it's just they they have. I'm not saying that it, it, they're not the only people that can understand what to do in this field, um, because my the supervisor right now is, has no um, background in educa- in education, but she does a great job with us. But I have just in my experience, I really like working with anybody who has that background in special education. It's just a little bit different with the tenderness that they that they show and with the understanding of um the way individuals with disabilities you know are and they they treat them more like they should like, like, like that everyone should be treated as opposed to kind of i, I i've I, I, again i don't want to talk bad about other service providers or anything like that but like i've seen um them not be treated as well as they could be so i i think that with teachers you have a better you just have a, a better uh, odds of um having a more effective uh service provider and that's what Um, That's why we're adding a couple of them uh, coming up soon.
0: So Um, cool. That's exciting, truly. Um, And then my last question for you is how can people listening to this episode get in touch with you?
1: I guess the best way would be through email. That my my email, I'm not sure if like this is going to come through when I spell it, but my email is jspritzer at ableadults.com. So it's J S P R E I T Z E R at ableadults.com. Um, that's my email, and then um, my business slash personal number is eight four eight two one nine two eight two three. I that's all over the website, so I don't care; everyone can have it. And, and so, like, if if anyone ever needs to reach out for if they're in, if you're in New Jersey and you have and you have any questions about you know whether whether it be community inclusion, dehabilitation, or respite, or really any of the services, even if I don't have the answer, I usually have a connect that can that can get the answers for uh, for me. So um that and then the last way i would say is uh, able adults on instagram is our it's our instagram account so that's like that's the best way to kind of keep up with what we're doing on a daily or weekly basis um you can you know take a look at the pictures that we post and uh, some of the stories that we post on there as well
0: yeah that's exactly how to found
1: y'all
0: and yeah follow along with it every day
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's fun, for, for sure. Like, I, I think um I was never a big Instagram person or any social media. And I, I'm just not big on posting a lot of stuff. And then I when I got into this, I was like, hesitant to do it at first. And now I just kind of post everything we just, you know, the parents are supportive of it. Um, the siblings, especially, they're a little bit younger and more in tune with, um, you know, with social media. So we get a lot of support from the parents and siblings, the social media account. So
0: That's awesome. Yeah, they look like they're having the most fun with it too and let their personality show through the pictures. Yeah, no, listen,
1: like like I've heard from the parents sometimes they say, like, uh, and from this, uh, what one of the girl's sisters said, like, we can't get Jillian to smile like that. Like, how do you get her to smile like that? I'm like, you just like really like I mean like because for the pictures or whatever. So, but anyway, yeah, it's 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 fun. They um, they enjoy it, and I think that at this point now, like they're all like they're all like playing to the camera too. So they know when that when the phone comes out, like that they're, you know, they're they're they've like become like these little fashion models. So
0: yes. Truly. Yeah. So I feel like I'm there living vicariously through all of
1: it. Well, we appreciate you following it. And, and um, yeah, I mean, it's nice to see that, you know, people, even as far as North Carolina are are paying attention and are, are supporting us. So we appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time on this podcast. I know we're running low on time. Thank um, you. But thanks for being on it.
1: Thank you very much. Sorry for the rambling sometimes, but that's how I cope with the uh, nerves, I think. So um, I appreciate it very much.
0: All right. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode and a huge thank you again to Joe Spritzer for joining us on the podcast for takeaways, for more information about this episode and to continue the conversation, join us in the Autism Grown-Up community. You can go to community.autismgrownup.com, provide your takeaways there, things that you're thinking about when it comes to day programming needs. We would love to hear from you there, and you can also join in on our Thursday meetup question for the week. It's going to be a good one. I'll chat with you all there, and I'll talk with you next week.